Next step number 716, February 24th, 2022. Hi there, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the next step with Father Vodskan. We are the voice of Armadoxy, a weekly podcast started in 2008 that looks at life through the lens of Armenian Orthodoxy. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In these weekly episodes, you will find that Father Vosgan's messages are timely, thought-provoking, and based on the solid principles of Christ's love, faith, and hope. Now, let's get ready to take the next step. ever wonder what song Nero played while Rome was burning? You know the expression, right? Nero played his fiddle while Rome burnt. So what was the song that he played? Well, just thinking about that, just asking that question is as absurd as him playing while the city went down in flames. And actually, historians have said that probably, it was not probably, it was nearly impossible for him to be playing fiddle since the fiddle wasn't, uh, well, the the class of instruments is called the Vio class. And uh, those were not invented till the 11th century. So it's an expression. Nero played as Rome burnt to signify that He was oblivious to what was happening, and probably the double meaning there is that uh, not only did Nero play music while his people suffered, but he was an ineffectual leader in a time of crisis. And so all of these questions, what did Nero play, what was the instrument, what was the music he was playing while Rome was burning, are just ridiculous. They take your mind away from the current reality that, hey, the city is burning and you're in charge of it. You're here and all of a sudden the city is burning and you're playing a fiddle. And that's how I felt this morning as Russia invaded the Ukraine. And we're just sitting back and watching this unfold on the world stage, history in the making, after 80 years of the European continent being at peace. Now we're watching Russia coming into Ukraine and tearing it apart. And we're just like looking around like, hey, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? It's like playing the fiddle. And I, I just felt like that. This morning, I, I okay, so today happens to be Vartanans. It is the story, Vartanans is the story of a big bully coming into a small little country. It's a big bully like the Persians of the time, like the Russians of today, coming into 
their close neighbor, Armenia, that time, today, into the Ukraine, and saying, hey, we're going to bully you around. This is the way it's going to be. And so this morning, I've been invited to an Armenian school, a day school, to give the message to students. I'm supposed to give two messages, one to the junior high and one to the high school kids. And so on my way there, I'm thinking about it. And what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about a story that took place 15, 1600 years ago. Is that like playing a fiddle while the, while, while in this case, the world is burning? Invasion. Oh, so as I'm going, I'm saying, okay, you know what? This is exactly where the next step is going to start off. By the way, today I wanted to share with you spiritual life through the liturgy. That's what I had in mind because I gave this talk to the clergy conference the other day and it was about how to how to uh, live, spiritually live, the liturgy. In other words, we have at our at our disposal this beautiful, beautiful sacred liturgy called the Holy Badarak. How can we make that alive and really live it? How can we as people gain from that Badarak? So that it's not just something that's just being celebrated on stage, but it's something that actually heightens our spiritual awareness of God, of ourselves, and of our fellow human beings. I wanted to talk about that today. And as I'm listening to the news, I'm stuck in traffic going out to this school, going to talk about Vartanans, and then we're hearing about the Russians invading the Ukraine. And I'm going, wow, if I were to talk about the liturgy and everything, wouldn't that be like Nero? Wouldn't that like be the world is burning, Rome is burning, and I'm just sitting around talking about something else? And I said, you know what? I can't do that, and I'm not going to do that. In fact, it is exactly like Nero. And no sooner has I had I said this, I'm driving. Right now, remember, those of you unfamiliar with Los Angeles traffic, it's like it's traffic means you're at a standstill for one second, you're going five miles an hour the next second, and then you're back at a standstill for the next five minutes. And then after the five minutes, you may be crawling. You may all of a sudden just pick up and start leaving. So it's this kind of like weird, weird reality that we go through as Los Angeles as Los Angelesians. Okay? We're in the city of angels and you feel far from the angels going through this city. But it's a necessary component of living here, okay? There's a lot of people, and as a priest, I need to be out at these people's places. And this time, on this day, I'm going out to the school, and there we are, we're stuck. And I'm thinking about Nero, I'm thinking about the violin, I'm thinking about what's going on in the Ukraine and the innocent people that are dying. And I'm thinking to myself, what have we been living for all this time to talk about peace? And there it is. It's just unfolding in front of us basically the beginnings of war, right? 
Nero. And I need to talk to my people and talk about how ridiculous this is. And I'm not really following what's going to come next when a little car comes by me. It's a Kia. And the model of the Kia is a Nero. And I go, oh, okay. I I can make this happen. It kind of like works. It's all part of the whole scenario, right? By the way, they spell it with an N-I-R-O. And uh, I believe in English it's N-E-R-O. So anyway, but it was close enough to like smack me once and say, this is what you're going to talk about. Because we cannot be oblivious to what's going on in the world. Because as this is unfolding, and and it's still unfolding right now, and I don't know by the time you hear this podcast where it will be, but the sad reality is we talk a lot about bringing peace. Uh, we, I, You hear it from me, right, about the alternative, about what we need. And if you start listening to people commenting, whether on social media or on traditional media, there's a lot of a lot of commentaries that are going out, and you will hear this this uh, same theme coming out. Like we can't believe that this is happening in the 21st century. After all the wars, after the war that was supposed to end all wars, there and then became World War II. After World War II, there was the Cold War and Cold War. Well, the Cold War didn't turn out the way people wanted to but still people made amends and they learned to live live with the reality and then all of a sudden comes along a leader who decides he's going to impose his will on another group of people sound familiar well of course it's our story isn't it it's the story of the armenian people it's our story, the story of the human race, of people trying to impose their will upon another. And then, so what's your reaction? What's your reaction? And this is really weighing on me because we talk about peace. We say that we need alternatives to the conventional warfare, but we're at that point right now where you're seeing a big bully coming in And there's no stopping him. There is no stopping him. So this morning I I made it out to the school and I talked to the kids. I talked to them a little bit about what's going on in uh, the Ukraine. I told them what's happening with uh, Russia. Because remember, this is all just unfolding. So many of the kids had not even heard this reality. And I did some cross-comparisons with Vartanans. And I spoke about Vartanans. That in the end, it's us who have to be, remain vigilant. And you know what, your next step listeners, you know the usual ropes of how I talk about it. To me, Vartanans is this very unique, unique war, uh, unlike anything in, in, in history, in the history of humankind, because it is the only war that is celebrated for its loss. Yeah, Armenians are the only people that celebrate celebrate the losing of a war. Vartanans is a war that was lost in 451. But we we celebrate it because it gives us an opportunity to live. 
in the spirit of Vartanans. And by that I mean it's the only war that does not end with a period. It ends with a comma. You see, 451, the Battle of Vartanans took place, but it continues today. It continues with what we're doing. And part of what we're not doing is the indifference, the indifference we have to the pain of other people. And that indifference is no better exemplified than playing a fiddle while the country is burning. In the, in our case, the entire world is burning and we're sitting back and playing a fiddle. And so I went into the school, I spoke about this, and no sooner had I done this, they had like so many, tragically, like so many uh, Armenian uh, programs. They have to have like balance if if somebody's going to talk about something intellectual we have to balance it with some kind of um uh, some kind of display of of modernism whether it's a a song a dance or um a poem that's it that's it they have poems and everything yeah i know this is the art world but remember the the the, the city's burning and we're playing and no sooner had i had the program started that the the principal got up and he says, we have a special treat for you today. One of our teachers is a very prolific violinist and she has agreed to come and play a song for us. That did it. That did it. That, That clinched the deal for me. We were going to talk about Nero. We were going to talk about what we do to avoid the reality, how we play our fiddles while Rome is burning. And that's where we are today. The world is facing a giant crisis. And it's not like we haven't faced giant crises, right? I mean, Crimea, Crimea was just a few years ago. But what about Syria? What about what we've been talking about, about Darfur? What about things that happen on the African continent? Well, things are happening in Europe now, so we're getting a little bit more press, a little bit more people watching and seeing what's happening. But the idea of avoiding it, the idea of playing your fiddle as if it doesn't exist, also points to the ineffectiveness of who you are the ineffectiveness of you as a leader, as a person, as a human being. That's what Nero was. He was ineffective because that's what he did. Yeah, it didn't matter that there was no fiddle at the time. It's an expression to show that he was ineffective while the city burned. And what are we doing? It's a good question. We're looking around. I mean, I actually, on my on my way... <laughs> On my way out of the school, I turned on some talk radio, and um, there's this conservative guy. What's his name? Oh, geez. Um, Prager, Dennis Prager. And do you know what he had? Imagine, imagine right now, there are people dying in the Ukraine. Russia has gone in. And the United States is saying, we're going to sanction them. Uh, I wish they just would, but we're going to sanction them and all this. And this guy, this idiot, is on his radio station, and he's got a political pundit on there. 
And he's asking the question, this is serious, okay, in the middle of this crisis. If Ronald Reagan or President Trump were president, would this have happened? Yeah. Yeah, that's the question he was asking. Of this of this commentator, this op-ed writer or something. If Ronald Reagan, somebody from 40 years ago, President Trump from four years ago, if they were president, would this have happened? What does it matter? What does it matter at this point? Yeah, ask that question when there's an election or something, but at this point where these people are dying, it's like, playing a fiddle it's like playing a fiddle you could care less and you're ineffective i need to take a break okay (laughs) not only you i need to take a break right now we'll be back in a couple moments let's listen to the song of the day this is uh, a recently re-recorded one uh called peace train lately thinking about the good things to come and I believe it could be something good has begun I've been smiling lately dreaming about the world as one and I believe it could be someday it's going to come someday it's going to come come take me home again Come on the peace train Someday it's going to come Come on the peace train mm-hmm. Take me home again Peace train sounding louder Light on the peace train mm-hmm. Come on the peace train Peace Out on the edge of darkness There rides the peace train Peace train, take this country Come take me home again I've been smiling lately Dreaming about the world as one And I believe it could be Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Come take me home again Someday it's going to come Come on, peace train Mm -hmm. Take me home again Someday it's going to come Someday it's going to come Someday, someday Someday it's going to come I've been crying lately Thinking about the world as it is Why must we go on hating? Why can't we live in bliss? 
Cat Stevens doing Peace Train. That is off of the Teaser and the Firecat album. And this particular version is at the Royal Albert Hall. And it's actually part of a an extra series of the Teaser and Firecat. So I'm not really sure on the date of it. It sounds like it might have been done way later just because of the harmonies and the different rhythms. But it was beautiful. Uh, and um, it expresses a sentiment for peace that is all too often not heard or maybe just forgotten about and uh, it's up to us to keep singing these songs to keep talking these songs to keep sharing these songs peace train cat stevens more than i hope you enjoyed it i want to say i hope you heard it and i hope we we sing it loud and clear back to our show Welcome back to the second portion of today's next step. We're talking about not just the next step, but what is that step? Not, and not like somebody's going to put it out for us, but what is that step that we're supposed to take? Like, where do we go from here? Okay, we've talked a good talk about you fight fire with water. Okay, well, what water? How can we fight this one? How can you end something so tragic as what happened this morning, we woke up with the news that Russia has invaded another country, Ukraine. And where's the accountability? It's just one person talking louder than the other person. And so then you get a bunch of people getting up and saying this is wrong, but who cares? Who cares? Because in the past we have been able to be quiet about it, and they've gotten away with, 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 well, with murder. I mean, you know, let's not fool ourselves. These kind of people like Putin or whoever else it is don't come about just overnight. They develop. They get away with a little. They get away with more. 
They get away with more and more and more, and people don't call them to task. And here is your biggest argument for an open uh, communication system, the importance of a free press so that people can be called to account, could be accountable for their actions. A free press does that because it's put out there. But now that we are starting to define that free press in new terms, for instance, fake news. Is it real news? Is it fake news? What's going on? People are questioning more and more in a skeptical method rather than questioning and saying, look, I have these documents. Let's prove it. Now we've got these conspiracy theories that are just rising and taking people by storm. I mean, think about it right now around you, what you hear. Think about the messages that come out. And you have a clear, clear case of a, yes, it, it is clear. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. The Ukraine and, uh, and, and Russia, they border each other. <laughs> They've, they share a same faith. These are people that regarded one another as brothers. Now, let's talk about the faith a little bit, okay? It's important because I'm going to also bring up, bring up a few uh, reactions that we've heard already this morning. But um, what is their faith? Well, they're both Orthodox, and the Ukrainian Orthodox uh, were under the Russian Orthodox Church that has its uh, its patriarch in Moscow, okay? Now, a few years ago, the Ukrainian Orthodox said, no, we don't want to report there. We want to secede. We want to have a, our, an autocephalus. We want to have uh, our own Orthodox Church. In other words, we want to have the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And they seceded from Moscow. But right away, the patriarch, the ecumenical patriarch of Constantinople or Today, Istanbul is the place, but they still retain the name Constantinople. But the ecumenical patriarch, the one first among equals, the big one right, in Constantinople, namely Bartholomew, accepted the Hungarian Orthodox Church. He accepted them. So they seceded from Moscow, said, we're, auto, we're, we're our own people. We're our own church, and they were recognized by the main Orthodox uh, patriarch. Okay, so you've got some issues going on over there. And um, this morning, as a reaction, the patriarch of Moscow had called for peace in the area. It's interesting. They call for peace. They don't call for put down your arms. Let's call for peace. So again, everybody's going to define it accordingly. But uh, the bishops from Ukraine, I'm not really sure who it was. It was a bishop. It was an ecumenical, um, uh, part of the ecumenical hierarchy of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, also called for peace. And together they issued um, separate statements, but referring to the brotherhood, to them being brothers in the, the use of the word fratricize. In other words, the killing of brothers. And I think, I, I'm not sure, I, I will look it up and put a link on today's show notes so you could read it a little bit further. But I think it was Patriarch Krill 
who made the point that this is like fratricide, and it goes back to the time of Cain and Abel, of two brothers arguing and killing one, one killing the other. And that's what's happening right now in the Ukraine and the Russians coming into the Ukraine. It is just tragic. It's tragic because it's questioning all of us to start asking ourselves serious questions. What is the next step? I mean, can we get over this mentality of of bombing people, of killing people? And, you know, one of the things that really annoyed me was that Patriarch Krill got up and he said that, at the very least, we have to stop killing the innocent people, non-military civilians. What is that supposed to mean? Like, what about those poor boys? Aren't those lives precious too? Well, all is fair in love and war, right? So in war, there are certain principles and certain uh, procedures, protocols. So it's okay to kill a soldier, but it's not okay to kill a non-soldier, a civilian. It's not okay to do that. Yeah, it's just as if God's looking at what metal is pinned on the person, right? And I'm bringing God into it because the person in question happens to be a representative, not only of God, but of the Christian, the faith where Jesus Christ said, peace, I leave you. Well, this doesn't look like peace, does it? So you've really got to question these people. If they're saying they're representatives of Jesus Christ, why are they not talking about peace? Because there's a little bit more representation. We need to start we need to start admitting that as well. Okay, and don't give me this stuff about like non we're non-denominational and we don't get no 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 no. Everybody has an angle to it. And this is what we've been sharing with you on the next step. That there's so many angles and the ambiguity that is that is created when we start talking about some of these things and when we start talking about, well, look at Scripture. Let's look at Scripture. No, 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 no. You look at Scripture and you could justify just about anything, okay? So you got to be careful with things like that. you got to know what you're saying. And for me, I'm just questioning people who are using the name of Jesus Christ have to at least follow through on his message as well. Now, this isn't anything new. You've heard me say this, right? Even in the Nicene Creed, which is the definition of Christianity, we don't talk about anything about his teaching. We just talk about who he is. Well, that's good. That's good. We need to know who he is. But we also need to focus in on the teaching. And the teaching is peace. It is peace. And so whether you're a priest, a bishop, archbishop, or the the head of the church, the, the patriarch himself, if you're using the Jesus Christ card, you've got to also double it down and find out that there is a message of peace there. That needs to be brought out. Now, let me share with you some of the things that are going on because the, the dynamics here need a little bit of. You need to know the. Uh, the you, you need to need, know the players, okay? Russian President Vladimir Putin, Archbishop Daniel, who is the head of the Ukrainian 
Orthodox Church of the United States of America, and of course, Russian Patriarch Krill, um, who is the Patriarch, much like we in the Armenian Church have a Catholicos, the Patriarch of the Russian Church. And basically, the Orthodox Communion is is split within themselves, too, having these patriarchs. There's the one in Moscow, and there's the one that I spoke about earlier, the patriarch of Constantinople in the person of Bartholomew. But I'm going to read to you something that just came out today, okay? As Archbishop Daniel, head of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the United States, watched his home country endure an invasion at the hands of the Russian of Russia this week, he found himself waffling between two emotions, shock and devastation. It's not that he was surprised by tensions between the two countries, which is long-standing. The rift between Russia and Ukraine even extend in the religious realm. In the late 2018, this is what I was telling you about earlier, and early 2019, Orthodox Christians in Ukraine declared independence or off autocephaly from the Orthodox Patriarch in Russia. The Orthodox Church in Constantinople promptly set about recognizing the independence of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, while Russian Orthodox leaders refused. The result, two opposing Orthodox factions in the country. So, do you get what's going on right now? So all of a sudden you've got this country invading another country. You've got this person invading another country. You've got Putin going into Ukraine, right? And you got all the political dimensions. Now all of a sudden, look where the conversation's going on. Two opposing Orthodox factions. <gasps> now we're getting into like, oh, this is just a religious war. And all of a sudden we're talking about like Christians against Christians. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I'm so glad because this this archbishop makes this point a little bit later. I'm going to put this entire article on the show notes, but I want to just share with you this part. Um, He's asked by the reporter, there was a statement released Wednesday from Moscow Patriarch Kirill. What are your thoughts on that statement? Conciliatory, goodwill? an appeal of some sort. And this is his answer. You know, this is about what I was sharing with you a few minutes ago, about him talking about, like, this is a brotherly war, and this is fr- uh, fr- fratricide, yes, like Cain and Abel, and so on and so on. Listen to this. A letter from a religious politician is his answer, and not a spiritual father of the people of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. I think that Patriarch Kirill is rep- repeating a so-called history lesson we all received from President Vladimir Putin a few days ago. You cannot rewrite history, Ukrainians and Russians. I'm not being divisive here, but we're not sharing the same history. To say that we share the same ethnic background and what have you, I think it's a mistake. It's an incorrect statement, and I wish the religious leaders would correct that terminology he's utilizing it. It's not a brotherly conflict that we're having in Ukraine. I have a younger brother, and when we are, we're growing up, we had a conflict. 
We fought over little things. But at the end of the day, we knew we were brothers and we knew we had to respect each other because there was love between us. If you love somebody as a brother, as a true brother, you're not going to go and bomb the homes and destroy the lives of people and then say, well, let's bring humanitarian aid and what have you. If you're truly the spiritual father, as you claim, of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of, Mo- uh, of Moscow Patriarchate in Ukraine, then go and confront the political leader of the Russian Federation and tell him, stop abusing the people of my church. Bravo. There you go. That's an Archbishop Daniel here in the United States talking and sending a very clear message. Yeah, you can't do this kind of stuff. A messenger of Jesus Christ can only talk about peace. Has to find ways of talking about peace. Now, you you look at, um, compare what uh, Pope Francis did. And I'll make sure that there's a link on today's show notes. Read what he said. Read what he said. And then we need to start to call the task some of these people that are proclaiming one thing. And then when it comes down to it, they're the people who instigate these horrid, horrid distortions of the faith. Yeah. So so much so that they don't look like the faith. And if the church, this is again, it's, you know, it's the Nero. <laughs> it's the Nero playing the fiddle, right? It points to an ineffectiveness, an ineffective leader. If the church did what Christ did, he becomes a leader. Christ was a leader, right? He looked at the Pharisees. He looked at the status quo, and he challenged it. And he says, I'm sorry, this is not what God has in mind for you. God doesn't want this chosen group of people to be the only people. I want everybody in this world. And and if you start thinking about what Jesus did, you start just asking yourself the basic things. Instead of being consumed with a life to come, you start thinking about, wow, this is what Jesus is all about. About living today in peace and in harmony. Then you start understanding that if I'm going to call myself a Christian, I've got to buy into this. I've got to buy into what he's saying. And this is really, it's its so simple that it, sometimes we don't even talk about this. You, because you just say, well, isn't that a given? Isn't that a given? No, I guess it's not. And today on world stage, we're seeing that. So this morning I had to speak to a bunch of high school kids about Vartanans. And I got to tell you, I, I'm going to play it. And I was very fortunate that the film crew came with me to Mari Manugin and they recorded me. And I have the audio to that and I'm just going to end today's show with that. But um, I want you to listen. Of course, you can hear in my voice that I'm really shaken up as I am today. I'm shaken up because we have to come to some the reality that once again on the world stage in front of our eyes, history is being made and this horrible, horrible thing called war is once again surfacing and is going to change the direction of everyone 
in its way, as it always has. So this morning at the Mari Manugin School, I spoke to the children, to the high schoolers, about the need for them to take action, for them to find their place. And I even gave them a little bit of a time to, to think about, gave them a little time out. And it was very, it was very moving for me. Also there, I met a wonderful lady who I'm going to have as a guest next week or the following week. I, I think it'll be an opportunity for us to follow through on our conversation. I'm just checking out today's show. It looks like, you know what, we're hitting the time mark. Instead of playing it, I'll put a link on today's show notes so you can actually watch uh, the, the Vartanans' uh, speech at the at the high school. But it I want to end today's program with this appeal, and it comes from the same article that I quoted earlier. Uh, It's a question. Orthodox Christians worldwide are on the verge of entering the most holy of seasons, Great and Holy Lent. What is your message? This is to Archbishop Daniel of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church in the United States. What is your message to your people? And I want to read this because I think this should be the message to all of us, especially to us Armenians who know the the problem of being forgotten, the problem of being uh, dismissed, and the problem of being alone. He answers, The sacred season of Great Lent is one of my favorite spiritual journeys, and I always take very seriously. As a Ukrainian Americans, we have a blessed opportunity right now to practice truly the prayer of Saint Ephraim, the Syrian. When he talks about humility, when he talks about sacrifice, when he talks about looking at our own sinfulness and repenting over our personal transgressions and coming unto the Lord and asking for protection and for the renewal that we need. I am dropping with my people of God of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church of the United States onto my knees in that humble prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian, asking God to have mercy over the people of Ukraine. Soldiers, military generals, right now they have these powerful weapons. They have nuclear power, tanks, and what have you. But as Christians... As people of faith, we also have a weapon in our hands, and that's a prayer. I'm asking people of Ukrainian Orthodox Church, Catholic Church, and people of goodwill, regardless of background, to use the weapon of prayer to soften the heart of the aggressor against the Ukrainian people and to stop the crimes against humanity that we're experiencing. Let's leave it with that, okay? Say an extra prayer. I don't want to be like Nero. I don't want to be like Nero.
Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vazgen. Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for all your love, your support, your kind wishes, your messages to me. Most importantly, thank you for your prayers. I think on this evening, everyone is in prayer for peace in the world. And we'll just end it with that. Let's all say an extra prayer. It happens to be Vartanats, a battle that was fought by a bully against a small group of people. And I think because we were the people that, that went through that, we have an obligation now to talk up when we see bullies doing the same to other groups of people. And certainly there's an occasion for us to talk. Let's pray. Pray for the strength. Pray for the courage to be those voices out there, not playing a fiddle, but working for peace. God bless you. On behalf of Susie, our producer, and myself, this is Father Vosken looking forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and production crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I forgot to ask you if uh, you're seeing the same sky as we are.